right, so there we go. It is the top of the hour, just past seven. Yeah, in the beautiful South Africa. That is how I should say. And there's a reason why I'm saying the beautiful South Africa, because we are actually coming to you guys, not only live from South Africa, but we are coming to you guys live from literally an international destination. And um, I really can't wait just to say hello to her. Just before we continue and before I open her mic and she just takes over the show again, but I don't mind that. We know that I don't mind that. I want to give a huge, huge shout out to everyone listening tonight and that's uh, tuned in right now from all around the world. I can see you on the WhatsApp line. Some of our listeners are tonight joining us as far as Israel. Tuned in tonight. Uh, it's an awesome privilege that Israel is tuned in tonight. I want to say hello to Chris Scholes and his family uh, from Perth in Australia that's listening to us tonight. I want to say hello to Diane, tuned in all the way from the United States. Um, yeah, there's quite a few people. If you want to join the chat tonight, please do so. We are so ready to have you on our show tonight, myself and my guest. Uh, of course, you guys know who it is. And um, yeah, please, please, please join us tonight. Send me a WhatsApp on 082-657-2729. The WhatsApp line is open right now, and we can't wait to say hello to you. Before I introduce my guest, let me just quickly read to you what I just read about my guest on, um, on Facebook. Can you believe it? This is actually so wrong of her that she's doing that to us. But anyway, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be the good Christians on the side of the world. She says, the scenes from our bed and breakfast overlooking the river Nile in Cairo, in Egypt. Oh, can you believe she does something like that? Ladies and gentlemen, my sister in arms, um, Reverend Paul Coupe. Pearlie, how are you? Hey, hi, Dwayne. Hi, I hope you guys can hear me. Can you hear me? We can hear you loud and clear. That is awesome. What a privilege it is to be able to talk to my people at uh, at home in South Africa. Yes, I'm in Cairo, Egypt. I came here for a Africa Economic Summit. But of course, you can't come to Egypt for just one day. You've got to see the pyramids. You know, tomorrow we're going to do a dinner cruise on the Nile. You've got to you've got to see all the good sights and and ride the camels. And that's what we hope to do. But I got to tell you an interesting story, Dwayne, as uh, today we went out just walking the streets of Cairo and uh, a guy called Mahmoud stopped us and he wanted to know where we were from. He said, where are you from? And we said, South Africa, we're from South Africa. And he shouted, Bafana, Bafana! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Even, even South Africa in Cairo. Can you believe that? Even South Africa in Cairo. But I think I do wish he would have rather said Banyana, Banyana. Because Bafana, Bafana means boys, boys. So I hope he wasn't calling us boys. You know, it would have been better to say banana banana. <laughs> well, well, listen. I just, I just want to say that I'm actually quite amazed seeing you in Cairo, given the fact that um everywhere where you read on the news right now of the stuff happening at universities, the name Paul Coupe is actually quite prominent. How did you manage to run all of these things right now in the South African legal front from a university point of view and be in Cairo at the same time? 
Well, listen, thank God for, for technology, Dwayne. We have technology and we're able to keep in touch. Um, one of the things that we did do uh, was to start a group called the Concerned Students Group. So I've been working with the student representatives for quite some time from Vitz University. We have uh, people like Monde, who's from the SRC. We have people like Pastor Eddie, who are also working as part of the SRC representing the universities. We have um, people like uh, Ngosi, who's working for the private university institutions and, and Monash and other universities. We have a group of students representing the University of Free State because we really struggled to get the the official SRC or the, those who've been appointed as SRC, we struggled to get them out. And so we've been working with a concerned group of students there. But um, yes, the universities are fighting hard. Of course, I think we know that the universities are opening. And as they've opened, uh, they're opening with all these protocols which are requiring students to be vaccinated. And we really are seeing a return of some of the apartheid protocols. You know, Dwayne, I went to University of Free State for the Bloemfontein case. And I had an opportunity to go and to see the gates at the University of Free State. And there was one gate only for the unvaccinated people and four gates, four gates were for the, the vaccinated. And, you know, if you look at the demographics of the, of the nation, we know that, you know, about 70% of people are not vaccinated. So if you were going to do that on a ratio, a ratio in terms of what represents the national demographics, you should have had at least three to four gates for the unvaccinated. The, the one gate for the unvaccinated was somewhere out there in the bush. It was closed. And what was interesting, because when we raised the aspect of apartheid, that this is symbolic of apartheid segregation, where, you know, you discriminated against people, different gates. And the discrimination is not even qualified because we know at the end of the day that unvaccinated and vaccinated people can both contract uh, COVID and also transmit it. So you know, there, there really is no basis and justification for this uh, medical, what we call medical apartheid right now. Uh, what has been interesting is that previously the gate was referred to as gates for unvaccinated. It has changed recently this week to, uh, to be labeled as a gate for temporary QR codes. So I was asking myself, why why that change all of a sudden when we were mentioning that is this not apartheid so i guess uh, somebody must have realized that it was apartheid and decided to change the gate from unvaccinated and vaccinated to now read temporary qr code so i'm not sure whether that's an admission of guilt or, or what it is. <laughs> All right. So just, just before we continue, myself and Reverend Paul, we've been at this for quite a while now. 
and um, we are we. Let me choose my words correctly, Rev, because uh, we are not we we are not we we are not we are not naive about some of our listeners uh, listening to us skeptically saying, "What are these two going on about again?" Uh, we are not naive at all. Uh, we got the backslash, unfortunately, sometimes from the church last year when we engaged in the Papuda Bowl, when we when we engaged in the hate speech bowl. Uh, we got it earlier this year when we spoke about vaccinations. I just want to make it clear. Dwayne van Rensburg and Paul Coupe is sold out children of the Lord, right? We are not here to push a political agenda, nor are we here to give our opinions on whether we think vaccination are right or wrong. We are here because of fair practice, and we are here because we believe that everybody should have a freedom of choice. So, um, and and Rev, I'm, I'm learning a lot from you because Rev always says that we are the church of Christ, we are the ecclesia of Christ. That means that we've got a biblical responsibility towards legislation and towards government, and that is where Paul Kupai is leading the way for us in South Africa. And once a month, we've got this chat. If you are on Facebook right now and you are tuned in to us, you'll see this beautiful picture of uh, Beauty and the Beast here behind me. Uh, Beauty, of course, being Pearl. And I'm the beast. I'm the beast. And uh, you can go join the chat on Facebook. And we are here simply because we represent something bigger than ourselves, and that is the kingdom of Christ. Pearl, uh, Rev, sorry, did I, did, I, did I touch on that the correct way? Are you, are you in line with yeah, me? Yeah, no, absolutely. Everybody calls me Pearl. Uh, listen, um, you, you said, it, uh, you, I couldn't have said it better, Dwayne. And as I've said in different interviews, this conversation is beyond, it goes beyond mandatory vaccination. This is a fight and a struggle for constitutional rights. These are constitutional rights which people have fought for over the years. People have died trying to protect constitutional rights which are not only enshrined in the constitution but also have been given to us by God in that he gave us free will, free choice. Uh, and, and, And that was very clear in the Bible. You know, he said, I've placed before you life and death blessings and curses. And then he told us to choose. So choice is a gift that we've been given from God. He Mm -hmm. wants us to choose correctly, but he never forces us. And so as children of God, really, we need to understand it from that perspective. If God doesn't force us in any way to choose, who, who is the government to force us to make choices over things that, that, really have to do with our own bodily integrity, our own bodily integrity. Mm. But Dwayne, I, I really wanted us to talk about the university students because they have been really, really courageous in trying to defend those constitutional rights. And um, we were in, in, in Bloemfontein a couple of weeks ago where we, we went to actually you know, it was for the, there's a case, the Bloemfontein case and the University of Free State, where a case is being brought against the University of Free State for mandatory vaccination. We were there, we saw the students who were very passionate about not wanting to be forced to vaccinate, but wanting to have that that choice, that ability to choose. And there were students from, from Witz who came from Johannesburg in support. Pastor Eddie came, Monde came, um, Ngozi came from Monash. They were supporting. 
and we saw the students really, really uh, vehemently protest against their, their constitutional rights being taken away, the right to freedom of choice, the right to dignity, the right to equality, the right to bodily integrity, the right to psychological integrity, the right of informed consent. And Dwayne, what the right of informed consent means is that if you are receiving a medical treatment of, or intervention of any sort, you have a right to be informed. You are supposed to be informed of what is going to happen to you and what is in the contents of what they're giving you. So, you know, for instance, I had an operation last week and, um, okay, <laughs> I had an operation. Can you, am I still there? Yes, you are. Yeah, go for it. Okay. I had an operation last week, last year, and during that operation, the anesthetist told me what was going to happen to me, said, this is going to happen to you. Uh, my surgeon told me, you know, when I had a, a, a foot um, dislocation, my surgeon told me, this is what we're going to do. This is what's going to happen. So any medical intervention that happens to you, you have a right to know and to hear what is going to happen to you. And that applies also to the vaccine. So we are supposed to be informed what exactly is in that vaccine. And the information that we have, Dwayne, by the way, mm. is that in the vaccine, uh, some of the vaccines, if, if not all of them, contain aborted fetal cells. So that is something that, you know, you need to... Um, I know there's sensitivities around that, but in terms of your faith, in terms of your faith, and of course we know that there are religious exemptions, in terms of your faith, that you need to actually come to that determination. Does your faith allow you to take something that may contain something that within the Bible, within the Bible it is, it is contentious issue in the Bible, and so I do want to say this because I've also been encouraging people, those who want to be exempted from vaccination, if you want to be exempted from vaccination, you do have a right to include it in your religious exemption. You have a right to uh, a medical, you can ask for a medical exemption. And medical exemption is if you have a condition or if you have an allergy if you, you know that your body will not respond correctly to the vaccination, you have a right to see your medical doctor and for them to write you a medical ex exemption. I've had instances where people have told me that they, they were tested for allergies and that their body just will not respond well to the vaccination. So you have a right to get a letter medical exemption. You have a right for religious exemption. The only challenge, Dwayne, and this now goes to the issue of freedom of religion, belief, and opinion, which is a constitutional right. What I have observed is that almost every person who applies for a religious exemption does not get it. I have yet to hear. If there's one person out there who has received a, a religious exemption, if anybody out there has been afforded, awarded a religious exemption by your employer organization or anyone else, please contact me because I have not heard of a single case, successful case of religious exemption. And if that is so, that means that our religious objections are not being taken seriously. 
And if that is the case, that also means that that is an infringement of your constitutional right, your constitutional right, which pertains to religious, uh, pertains to um, freedom of, of religion, belief, and opinion. So as Christians, I think, Dwayne, that we need to actually rightfully ask and, and ask why we are not being afforded and awarded religious exemptions. Why do you offer an exemption which you're going to toss out and which you're going to throw out and which you're not going to take seriously? One of the things I've been saying now recently, you know, I held a Zoom meeting about three weeks ago and I said, I asked people, if your religious exemption has been thrown out, please contact me. I got hundreds and hundreds of, of people who came back. And what I advised them to do was to take their declined religious exemptions and to take them to the CRL, the CRL. So the CRL is a chapter nine institution. It is the commission that deals with religion and linguistic issues. So their focus, therefore, is to examine issues, religious issues. So in terms of their mandate, this is what the CRL does. One, it exists to strengthen constitutional democracy. And secondly, a second key mandate is that it exists to, for the promotion of cultural and religious and linguistic groups. So part of the mandate of the CRL is that they are supposed to protect and promote your religion and your beliefs. So I'm encouraging any of you, if you are out there and your religious exemption has been declined, the, the difference between the CRL and the CCMA is that the CCMA just looks at labor issues. They look at the labor perspective. Uh, the South African Human Rights Commission will just look at the human rights issues. The CRL has a specific mandate to look at, not only look at religious issues, but to protect your freedom and right to, to religion and belief and opinion. So they can't just look at it generally like other commissions, like other chapter nine institutions. They have to focus on the aspect of religion and they have to ensure that your freedom and right to, to religion, belief and opinion is protected. Another reason why it's good to go to the CRL is that the, in all likelihood, there's a backlog of cases with the CCMA. There's a backlog of cases in the courts, backlog of cases also, you know, everywhere you go. But with the CRL, it is likely that your case will be heard expeditiously, very quickly, speedily. And that, like I say, they will be able to look at it with an eye and a perspective that the other chapter nine institutions um, are not looking at. So if your religious exemption has been declined by your organization, has been tossed out, has been thrown out, has been undermined, has been not taken seriously, I adjure you, I plead with you, take that and, and lodge a case. It's easy, just look for, I, I, Dwayne, I will send you, I did a, a summary of what to do and religious exemptions. I'm going to send it to you in terms of how you, you get the papers from the CRL, how, how, what, you know, in terms of completing them, some pointers on how to do that so that you can represent yourself at the CRL as an individual and protect your right of freedom of belief, uh, religion, belief, and opinion.
Rev, yeah. I actually I actually want to touch on something here. Um, maybe perhaps um, just to uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and create a platform. Rev, please fill me in where I'm wrong. But um, a, a while ago when we were yeah. on air, we we spoke about that for us the issue wasn't as much the word vaccination. The issue was that the enemy comes in like yeah. a sly right. fox, and the enemy comes in and and and, and a while ago uh, the circulars that it's rounds. I mean it's it's not a it's not a secret. The the documents are available everywhere where the department said that they can now rock up at a school and if you are 12 years and older you can take the vaccine without consent Um, and the issue for us was not as much the vaccine as it was the fact that the church uh, is being approached by a sly fox where we are slowly but surely telling our kids that they can start doing these uh, 20 years ago this would have been a huge legal action um, if, if, if someone just injected your child without your legal consent uh, and just just to attest to that Rev um, last week um, I got to uh, once again I got to choose my words carefully last week a document arrived at schools in Twana district D4 uh, the document arrived from the Department of Education in partnership with the Department of Health where they are informing everyone that the Department of Health will yet again be coming out to schools for deworming of children. The ironic thing is that that document states that we need the parents' consent for children 12 years and younger. But anyone older than 12 years, we don't need the parents' consent. For me, that is an issue, Rev. And it's not just an issue because of the vaccination. It's an issue of we live in the 21st century where you don't know who you can trust. I now need to give – my kid can now lift up his tongue and put a pole under his tongue. I don't know who's issuing that pole. The issue is not the pole. The issue is doing these things without the consent of a parent. And that is the thing that frightens me right now. Yeah. The, the vaccine is not, not the start of this. This is just one of the occasions where our legal authorities in our country yeah. do this without the consent of parents. Absolutely. That's my issue, Rev. Listen, Dwayne, it absolutely does not make any sense at all. That a, a ch- For you to be able to drink, you have to be how old, Dwayne? Hmm. I think you're not allowed to drink under the age of 18. Isn't it 18, I think? Yes, it's 18. Yes, that's correct. You you cannot drive. You cannot drive also. So to be able to drive, you have to drive. You get a learner's license. I think it's at 16. And then you get a proper license from the age of 18. So you can't drive until you're 18. You can't drink alcohol. But at the age of 12, you can have an abortion without your parents' consent. I mean, how ridiculous is that? How ridiculous is that? You can't touch alcohol. You can't drive. Because obviously it is seen that you are not responsible and accountable enough. So how is it that the state would find you responsible enough to engage in sex, promiscuous sex, and have an abortion without your parents' consent? So clearly... We can see that there's no logic here. There's no reasoning here. And the other thing that one can see is that there is an agenda really to take away and to separate parents from their children, taking away parental control, where the state is now substituting itself as our as, as the parents to our children. That's why we are not allowed to discipline our children anymore. 
It has now become illegal that you cannot spank your children. It has become illegal um, for you to do. So the state is taking over. Literally, they are becoming dictators in, in the true sense. This is the path where we're moving towards. The state can tell you, can force you to put in, uh, you know, things into your body, which are still largely experimental. Mm. The state can force you to, to, to become a guinea pig and a lab rat on, on, on clinical trials. The, the state can, can stop you from correcting, teaching and disciplining and rebuking your children. The, the state can, can, can provide condoms for your children to, to, at school and encourage them to engage in sex and teach them to do so through comprehensive sexual education. And the state can also encourage your children to, to um, get rid of any pregnancy, get rid of any pregnancy should they become pregnant without even informing their parents from the age of 12 and above. The state can, can tell your children because of the Children's Bill and Act that you can have any medical intervention whatsoever. If you are older than the age of 12, you do not need your parental, uh, your parents' consent. So, so clearly it should, this should be very much a concern to parents. And I want to encourage the political parties out there that there needs to be a review of the Children's Act. There needs to be a review of the Children's Act because it is that act I believe it's section 126, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's section 126 of the children's bill that specifically allows for medical intervention for children be older than 12, which is what allows the Ministry of Health now to go to the schools and vaccinate your children without your consent. But here's the thing, parents. They do need the children's consent. They may not need your parents' consent in terms of the legislation, but they do need the children's consent. If the child says no, they cannot vaccinate that child. So what you need to do is talk to your child and let your child know that they have the capacity and the ability to refuse the vaccine. And let your child know that should they be bullied or coerced in any way, they should call you or call an older person. So even though the child does not need parental consent in terms of the law, they do need the child's consent. Otherwise, it will be criminal assault on that child. So you need to sit down with your child and you need to agree with your child and you need to let your child know that they do have a right to refuse the vaccine if they do not want to. So it's time for parents to start parenting their children. Proverbs 22, six, which says teach and train a child when they're young. So when they're older, they don't grow out of it. That scripture was written for parents, not for teachers. So I'm saying, and I'm challenging the parents out there it's time to teach, train, equip our children. These days are evil and we need to start our training and, and strengthening our children and to know what is not in their best interests and to understand that they need to take responsibility and accountability because mommy and daddy will not always be there or the law may prohibit them from, from intervening. So yes, Dwayne, I completely agree with you. 
in that regard to say that this this is 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 outrageous. It's outrageous that a a twelve year old and the reason why they're doing this is for number because as I've said before, the minister of health in his speech said that in in vaccinating the children they will get an extra six million people they 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 targeting to get an extra six million from schools because they promised to deliver 70 percent of vaccinated people and they have not reached that 70 percent they contracted to do so and they got a, a miserable 30 percent and so in their attempt to try and deliver on their target, they are targeting defenseless children out there, knowing that the law su uh, supports them in not looking for parental consent. So they've gone for some easy numbers where they can try to deliver on the 70%. What is interesting though, Dwayne, is that the reason that they advanced, that they advanced for wanting 70% of the nation to be vaccinated, they advance that reason as herd immunity. And in the alert level one, they stated specifically that South Africa, um, this was on, I believe, uh, February the 1st, South Africa has reached a seroprevalence uh, immunity of between 60 to 80%. That's what they said. Now, when you take the median of 60 to 80%, it's 70%. What does 70% represent? 70% represents, first of all, the, the, the percentage that they wanted to vaccinate people. And 70% also represents what is referred to as herd immunity. It is herd immunity. So in wanting to reach herd immunity, they wanted to target 70% vaccination so that they could reach that same 70% target. Now, we reached that 70% target without, with only 30% vaccinated, which means South Africa reached that 70% herd immunity, mostly with natural, natural immunity only. So what is the reason? What is the rationale? What is, what is the purpose of still wanting people vaccinated when you've got the herd immunity? What is the reason for still requiring people to wear masks when you've got herd immunity? What is the reason for still requiring social distancing when you've scrapped social distancing in school? Why don't you scrap it everywhere? The, 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 the nations have scrapped COVID protocols. United Kingdom with much higher figures than we have They've scrapped the COVID protocols. What is the reason? Nations are, I'm in Egypt right now. Egypt was one of the most strict countries when it came to COVID passports and traveling. And I came here just with a negative PCR. So why are countries like Botswana, Botswana, why are you requiring people to be vaccinated at the border? I want to ask that question right now. I want to ask that question of Botswana. Botswana, and, and, and you know, we heard the Botswana president actually state uh, at when in his interview, in the CNN interview, in the BBC interview, we heard the Botswana president state that there will be no mandatory vaccination in Botswana. And he said that because it would be a constitutional infringement. He said, we do not want to override people's constitutional um, 
rights of freedom. He said that. I heard President Masisi say that. He said that to the CNN. He said that to the BBC. So why is Botswana forcefully injecting, vaccinating people at the border, fining? There was a gazettement by the Minister of Health, Minister Edwin Dikoloti, who now gazetted to say any Botswana citizen who crosses the border into Botswana must be vaccinated, not only have PCR negative tests, but must be vaccinated. And failure to vaccinate, they said they will fine Botswana citizens 5,000 gula. And for foreigners, if they're not vaccinated, they will be returned back there. So why are African nations doing this when Western nations and other nations are opening their borders, are relieving the COVID protocols. Israel has opened its doors and its borders, and African nations are closing their borders and tightening COVID protocols. And yet Africa, with only around six, not more than 10% vaccinated people, we have the lowest COVID statistics. But now we're taking extreme measures. When everybody's relaxing their measures, we're taking extreme measures. It just doesn't make sense, Dwayne. Not at all. All right. So we have to take a short break just to give Rev an opportunity just to breathe a bit. <laughs> uh, uh, we're actually going to be back right after this. I've got some interesting questions coming in on the WhatsApp line. Um, and I want to throw that at Rev, but uh, I know that she can handle it. So we're going to take a short break, Rev. There where you are. Uh, quickly run and grab some water. And uh, right after the song, we'll be back. Oh, there you've got it. You are tuned in this evening with me, Edwin van Rensburg, on a radio pulpit, 657 AM. And, of course, filling the gap with uh, my, uh, my esteemed colleague, um, Reverend Paul Coupe, tuning in tonight all the way from Cairo in Egypt. I am so jealous of the pics that she's sharing. Rev, the last time I was in Egypt was in, uh, was in 2011. And um, yo, yo, what a city. Cairo, what a city. Absolutely. It's such a beautiful city. And the people here are so friendly, you know. And um, no, we're having the, the time of our life where we, I, you know, a, a good way to see it is really to look for a nice air and B&B. And they're really not, you know, exorbitantly expensive. They're very affordable. Right over look, looking the River Nile, I think the experience is better than being in a hotel, you know, uh, where you get to mix with the people and just mingle and learn something about the culture. There's no point in going to a country and not learning about the culture and going out to eat shawarmas and engage with with the locals. It's it's so much fun. It's Look, so, fun. so so tomorrow, so tomorrow we're going to see the pyramids and the and the Nile. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I, want, I want to be honest. When I was over there, I did a, a three-country tour. I did uh, Egypt, uh, Jordan, and Israel. And as much as yes. you say, go and enjoy the shawarmas and go and enjoy the falafels. Listen, there's something within the blood of a South African, yeah. and it's called Breiflace. And I'll, <laughs> I'll be bluntly honest with you. After about two weeks in that country, I, I was you fed up with falafels. Chisanyama. <laughs> <laughs> my, my my mother always has got these. Uh, I don't know if it's, if it's Zulu, Sutu, or Koza. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. But she would say it's uh, uh, meat is kimunati. Yeah, kimunati. It's Tswana. That's Tswana and Sutu. Yeah, nama imunati. Nama meat is great. 
It really is. And um, yeah, that's one thing we all have in common. But listen, the the Egyptians can, I mean, they served us some serious meat. We had like six types of meat in our lunch yesterday. The lamb shawarmas, the, all sorts. They, yeah, we actually got a bit tired of the meat. We had so much and that's hard for us. Wanted to do is to get Listen, listen, they can serve you 13 meats. Nothing beats a bright place. But nevertheless, nevertheless. Uh, Rev, I got we've, got I got a few, we've got a few people. I just want to give a shout out to Hela Duplessis, uh, Kathleen Olifir, Karen de Klerk is joining us on Facebook right now. Uh, Charles Ernest Viviers, Norma Yesem, uh, Anli van der Walt, Marty Erasmus, David Abel, Heinrich van Seil, and of course, Daphne van Rensburg, your number one fan in the world, Mama Daphne is tuned in tonight to you Rev and uh, one of the questions that just came in on the WhatsApp is Rev you are in Egypt why are you in Egypt why am I in Egypt yeah tell us why are you in Egypt we'd really like to know yeah (laughs) but uh, I came for a summit Um, uh, there was a summit being hosted the Africa Economic Summit which brought in a number of African leaders in the financial and economic sector. So there were ministers and members of parliament um, from different nations within Africa to come and talk about especially solutions, economic solutions, looking at issues around how to attract foreign investment in Africa better, but also to network and to collaborate. So we had very good discussions um, around, you know, forming a, a network where we can collaborate, for instance, to look for, for gifted um, Africans and how can we support gifted Africans. There was a section dealing with ec- education. Uh, my presentation had to do with um, corruption because I was asked to present on some of the hindrances. What are some of the hindrances that are stopping foreign investment coming into Africa? And corruption is not specific and particular to Africa. In fact, what I said yesterday was that corruption is probably worse than the Western nations. You know, it's, it's, it's worse there. It's just that some nations know how to hide their stealing better than others. <laughs> but but um, nevertheless, we do still must confess that we do have corruption. And so I presented some strategies around, you know, things that we need to look at in terms of bringing limitations, legislative limitations, institutional limitations, educational limitations, tracking and monitoring and reviewing limitations to limit corruption so that everybody can be fed. Because if corruption can be stopped, we all will eat. There's no shortage of money and resources in Africa. There's there's um, a lack of leadership and there's, uh, you know, some shortage in terms of of corruption issues. So yes, so that's what I came to do, and um, I'll be back home in the in the next few days. As soon as I ride a few camels, cruise on the Nile, see a few pyramids, and of course I got to go to the bazaar and check out the market. And of course you got to bring. And of course you got to bring me a gift with. I mean, come on, you got to bring me something from Egypt. What what does one bring something for a man who has everything, Dwayne? Yo, yo. <laughs> I don't know how to reply to that one. 
I know. I know. I knew you wouldn't be, but I mean, just let me know. If you figure it out, send me an SMS and I'll try and make it happen. No, but man, right that's, now, not, that's not called a gift. Rev, that's not called a gift. A gift is you bless me with something. I don't know. So that is for, for what don't you have? I mean, you know, you've got this fabulous mother and wife and everything. You know, you just and you are just such a, a strategic thinker. You 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 bought everything before anybody can even buy it for you because you've made it happen. So it's you make life difficult, Dwayne. Oh wow. Oh wow. <laughs> well listen, just before we say goodbye to Rev all the way there in Egypt, I want to give a shout out uh, firstly uh, to Simon Swart who made last week's interview possible. Um Rev, I know I sent the interview to you. I don't know if you watched it, but what an amazing time I had I had with Francine Rivers last week. Yes. I mean, uh, I'm so proud of you, Dwayne. I mean, who just gets Francine Rivers and her latest movie out there, which I know, you know, has caused some controversy with some people. But I think one needs to look at the principal message, you know, and ask themselves, what is the main message? So, you know, that's that's anyway, I don't want to get into your conversation. Right yeah, but there. I, I, I assume you enjoyed it because it's from one controversial woman <laughs> to the next. huh? <laughs> Listen, I take I take um I take sort of consolation in the fact that Yeshua, Jesus himself was controversial. So I don't mind being labeled and called controversial because Yeshua was so controversial they killed him for his controversy. But it's kingdom controversy. And the main thing is that we must be controversial for the right reasons. If you're being controversial because you are speaking the word of God. If you're being controversial because you're living a kingdom life and lifestyle, then I will say, Pambili, go ahead, forward with that controversy. We're not controversial for the sake of drawing attention to ourselves or trying to be different or trying to be outrageous. Be controversial for the sake of facilitating the coming of God's kingdom on earth. And so I want to encourage everybody out there to stand for your constitutional rights. I want to also... Um, you know, just congratulate the students out there that are standing for their rights. The UFS students, we are standing with you. March 23rd is around the corner. The university at least has, has you know, uh, we've succeeded to push back in some instances. They were insisting on weekly uh, PCR tests for you to enter the campus. They have now agreed to accept much cheaper antigen tests which cost 150 rand from 500 rand per week. So keep standing. There's some small victories and, and trust God for a victory on the 23rd of March. And parents in UF in Bloemfontein, go and support your children and community. Go and support them, stand for their constitutional rights. Well done to the Northwest students. I was also there um, just a few days ago supporting them on their protest march. I'm proud of you that you are standing legally Unfortunately, the UFS, three of them students got arrested, wrongfully arrested. They were never even charged. They protested legally. They were wrongfully arrested. And there must be accountability for that wrongful arrest. You cannot just arrest children and think you'll get away with it. So there will be an accountability for wrongful arrests. All the university students out there, uh, Monde, Vitz University, and UJ, I know, is, is going to be doing their protest march soon on the 2nd of March. DUT just also got some amazing feedback and results out there. The employer organizations that are doing well, there's pushback. They are advocates, some of my advocate friends like Advocate Sabelo Sibanda and um, 
and uh, they're just doing an amazing work in terms of pushing back and helping people individually. So keep that up. And I want to say to friends in Uganda, keep up the push because I'm working with people in Uganda, working with them on their constitution and also pushing back. I'm working with people in Kenya. I'm working with people in Botswana. Botswana, well done to Dikeledi Dingake, who has lodged a high court case. And in that, the court granted her a rule nisi, provisional court order. And in that court order, they said four things. They, they said that the state needs to show reason why that um, Dikeledi should not be able to cross the border with just a negative PCR test and a few other things. She asked for the nullification of the gazettement requiring mandatory vaccination on entry. We're praying for all of you there. We're praying um, for the members of parliament who took the issue of vaccination up in cabinet. And we want to ask the Botswana cabinet, why was this conversation not had before the Ministry of, of, of Minister of Health just passed the, 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 the law? Would, why there's not a state of emergency anymore mm. it was lifted in botswana in september why will you just pass pieces of legislation like that without discussing it with the members of parliament what is their job is that not what they're there for is to discuss things like that so we we cannot um you know overlook the rule of law we cannot overlook procedures we cannot overlook people's constitutional rights botswana you are a poster child you have been a poster child for good governance and for democracy i plead with you botswana do not lose this reputation you are losing millions of pula in tourism which is one of your top earners people are canceling their trips to botswana because of this new requirement i heard that in just a few days botswana lost four million in cancellation and trips you don't want to do this do the right thing and let's stand for justice righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne there's no need to be forcefully vaccinating not only local citizens but people who want to come and visit when other nations are dropping the protocols and you want to forcefully vaccinate people we can do better than that Come back to that reputation of being a democratic. Democracy means rule by the people for the people. It doesn't mean bully <laughs> governments forcing people to vaccinate. It, sounds to, it sounds to me like this, this needs it to be continued because Paul Coupe on a roll. And why do you only start talking now that I've got four minutes left on the show, ma'am? Come on. <laughs> I can say a lot in no, four no, no. minutes. No, 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 please, please not, please not. Guys, time is running out with it. us. No, I've said everything. Myself I've and Reverend everything. Paul will continue. This will definitely be a once-a-month thing right here on Radio Pulpit. Uh, Rev, all the way there uh, from Egypt, thank you for your time. Thank you very much. You're a legend. You know I love you too, bits. So thank you. I want to encourage all our listeners, go to Radio Pulpit, www.radiopulpit.ca. Go look for this podcast. Please distribute it and inform the students around the South Africa, around the world of their legal rights. Just, oh, I've got 30 seconds. Um, 
I also just want to give a shout out to Francine Rivers and you guys can please go to Radio Pulpit go check that thing and then last but not least I want to give an awesome shout out to my friend international renowned bestseller Brad Huddleston all the way from the United States on his book Digital Cocaine I will be in contact I will be in contact with Brad and I think next week on Filling the Gap we'll have Brad Huddleston three internationals Francine Rivers Paul Coupe and Brad Huddleston all in a row. Rev, it's been a privilege. It's been an honor. I got to say goodbye to the Facebook wall, to everyone all the way from Centurion and from Egypt. On behalf of me, Reverend Dwayne van Rensburg and Reverend Paul Coupe, we love you guys and, um, and bye-bye. Ta-da!